Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly show that keeps you up to date with the latest science and development news from across the continent. I'm Michael Kaloki. Writing computer code might sound to you like something totally foreign, maybe even something impossible. But across sub-Saharan Africa, kids as young as three are learning how to talk to computers. Coding clubs are springing up all over Africa to teach the region's future tech leaders how to do everything from building computer games to creating smartphone apps, controlling robots, and running scientific experiments. And one global charity, the Raspberry Pi Foundation, thinks that kids everywhere in the world should be able to afford to learn to code. Here's Wariara Wairere from the Foundation to tell us more. Hello, my name is Wariara Wairere and I'm the Partnerships Manager for Sub-Saharan Africa at the Raspberry Pi Foundation. We know that young people in Africa are the drivers of socioeconomic development and that technology and innovation underpinned with the right skills can create a more sustainable and prosperous future. So we're on the lookout for great partners, for great organizations, uh, primarily working in Kenya and South Africa, but also thinking about organizations that have a pan-African focus. Now today, when you think about the accelerating pace of digital transformation, it makes it even more important that all young people, whatever their background, whatever their geographies, have meaningful opportunities to learn how to create with technology and that price isn't a barrier to anyone owning a computer. The Raspberry Pi Foundation's coding clubs have more than 2 million students across the world. One of these clubs, called Coda Dojo, is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. And they're opening up not just in South Africa and Kenya, but also across Nigeria, Ghana, Tanzania, Rwanda, Cameroon and Uganda. So how can coding benefit kids and communities in Africa? Back to Wariara. Here's three ways. One, coding helps young people to solve problems. When you code, you need to give a solution to an issue. Think of Scratch, which is a simple visual interface that allows people to create digital stories, games and animations. It really does feel like you're playing, doesn't it? But actually, your brain is being trained to think deeply, to identify challenges, break things up and put the pieces together with a solution. Now let me give you an example of how this might work in real life. Zara, age 12, and Issa, age 8, found it difficult to communicate with their grandparents in their vernacular, Sileti. So they decided to code a language learning app called Easy Sileti. And it worked marvelously to break down barriers between them and their grandparents. I can see how this can be applicable in sub-Saharan Africa, where lots of young people are missing out on communication and belonging because of the erosion of local languages. Two, coding fosters creativity. You really can make everything and anything with a bit of code. A team of three girls in India designed an anti-face touching cap to help doctors maintain social distancing during the pandemic. I think I would really have benefited from that in 2020, 2021. Using an ultrasonic sensor, an Arduino Uno, a buzzer and a power bank, they programmed a cap to sound an alert whenever someone touched your face. And three, Coding helps you understand how technology works and develops logical thinking. You learn a lot by trial and error, and really that's how the world works. It's about how you use your knowledge and experiments to make something work, rather than know it all. 
a really important skill for the 21st century. And in fact, really important for education systems in Africa who are transitioning to more competency-based curriculums rather than a mere regurgitation of knowledge. I'm going to take up the challenge to see if I can code with Scratch. That's the programming language that Wariara mentioned, which the Coding Club students are learning how to use. To get started, I just need access to the internet. www.scratch.mit.edu Aha! So what is this asking me to do? Let me have a look. Oh, there's a picture here of what looks like, um, is this a cat or a tiger? <laughs> From what I can make of it here, these are ways in which you can code so that this tiger or cat, <laughs> as it might be, can move. So there's motion, there's looks. So if you want, you can make it look a certain way. Oh, you can also make it say hello. Okay, let's press hello. Hmm, I think I need to figure out a bit more about how to make this tiger say hello. <laughs> but there's lots to it here. It look, looks really interesting and fun. Anyways, while I give programming a go, let's go back to Wariara to find out whether girls and young women are also taking up the challenge. Since 2019... We've been running a program of research on gender balance in computing as part of the National Center for Computing Education with various partners. And I'm going to share some of my favorite learnings. Earlier today, I was looking at the data and it shows that the share of females graduating from tertiary education is well below 30% for many countries in Africa. It's pretty devastating. So what I think is that encouraging more participation in the STEM fields needs to happen much earlier in the pipeline. So here's three things which can really enhance classroom practice to get more girls into STEM. The first is that teaching computing through storytelling and story writing is effective for motivating 11 to 14 year olds to learn programming. The second is that children who write computer programs to tell stories see computing as a subject that's equally as easy or difficult for both boys and girls, a great equalizer. And the third is that in a non-formal learning space, primary age girls are more likely to choose a storybook beginner electronics activity as opposed to an open-ended beginner electronics. I know I certainly would have done the same. This storytelling approach holds a lot of promise and we're still learning about what works best for gender inclusivity. Okay, so I'm still working on making my video game using Scratch. I'm doing quite well, I think, for a beginner. I've still got a little way to go, but stay tuned and you can find out if I succeed. <laughs> Let's hear from a volunteer who's running one of the new Coda Dojo clubs to find out if these after-school clubs can make a difference for girls. Our reporter, Bumi Yekini, visited Queen, who leads a coding club in Nigeria's largest city, Lagos. I'm on my way to Ogombo. I am visiting Queen Eluogene. She is the champion of Quitty's Code Dojo, a coding club for children and young teenagers in Lagos. The sound you can hear in the background is that of a generator, a common feature in many homes in Nigeria. Tell us about the, your coding clubs for children. How many do you have and where are they situated? I have close to 
11 clubs in different schools. They're around Aja area. I have uh, at Shongotedo, I have at Awoyaya, Ilaje, Ikota, Victoria Island. And we spend nothing less than two hours in each uh, club. So kids come with their, their gadgets. Those that are privileged to have their own gadgets, they come with it. They do the project for the day and then they go home with extra challenge. In the next class, they bring what they have done, the extra work that was given, they bring it to class, show their friends, share what they have done, the challenges, what they went through and how they were able to achieve what they did. So that's what we do basically in our Koda Dojo. Give us some examples of kind of work you give them to take home. Okay, for example, the beginner language for coding, in order not to frighten them to joining coding and embracing coding, we start with Scratch. Scratch is, is block-like, actually, so you don't have to write too much. You just bring out the block, you join them together, and then your sprites, which are characters in Scratch, they start doing what you have told them to do. For example, I want a, a character to move. I want a character to say hello. We have done such projects in class. Then I give you something in that format. Go home and replicate what we have done. You can think out of the box. Okay, Mrs. Susan taught you A, B, C. Then you can go home and add D, E, F to it. You have two children who one of them happens to be how old? She's five years old. She'll be six by August. Her name is Kayla. Oh, Kayla. Um, I believe that um, Kayla has already started learning how to code. Yes, 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 yes. Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. She started with robotics, actually, when she was three. Because I have robotic kids. I also teach robotics. So she started with robotics. I gave her a project, step-by-step -step instruction, and then she was able to build it on her own. She built a sewing machine on her own with her Lego kids. Then as she grows up, for her to be able to handle the laptop and all that, so I introduced her into using of Scratch, for which she can add blocks together to code on her own without assistance from me. So how far has that been for her? And it has been fun. It has really been fun. But you know how expensive things are. You just cannot leave the laptop to her alone before she will slam it. So I make sure I'm around. Then she start coding. She does some things. Ah, mommy, you see what I was able to do. And then that's, that's it. How do you take your classes? I handle just the SS1 for now because there are so much. In government schools, you have so many children. They have just 20 computers, which so many of them would like to join. But because of the facilities we have available, we cannot accommodate all of them. So I'm able to handle 45 of them. It took us the whole of last year to get approval to be teaching coding in government school which is not encouraging at all because you are trying to drive this thing, you are trying to impact knowledge into children for free and then it's taking forever to get approval to teach things like that. Why did it take that long to get an approval? It, I don't know because the thing is, we're asking, okay, what's the problem? What is going on? And you know, you come, you know how things are being done here simply because you are not greasing palms you're not doing the right thing that you're supposed to do and then the former principal that was there actually was asking 
what is in it for me? Like, what am I going to gain from it? And we're like, we are bringing this thing for free for your children. It should be a plus for you that in your own time, your kids are learning coding. But luckily for us, we went to Kuramo and the principal embraced it. But it took the whole of first term before they gave us approval from the government office. But thank God, my joy is these kids... The way they embraced it, the way they accepted it, really encouraged me. And then they called them for a competition, International Girls in ICT. I was skeptical because it was just girls. To God be the glory, these girls came out first out of 15 schools that went for this competition. So they were asked to do a short animation, which they did, and then they came out first. These kids just started coding. In fact, when I started with them, some of them were even having challenge with moving the mouse. Enter password was a big issue. Put on the caps lock, put it off, and they actually, they wanted it. They are hungry for knowledge. And then they got the knowledge, they used it well. Now let's talk about coding in Africa. Where are we? And coding in Africa, we are coming up actually. We are coming up. I, I will look at my own vicinity, I will look at my own surroundings, I will judge by what I can see around, that people are beginning to see that this is it, this is what we need to embrace now. If we don't, if we don't get it now, when are we going to get it? So coding in Africa, we are gradually embracing it, though not there, but we will get there eventually. If Queen's younger children can learn to program on Scratch, surely we all can. Uh, well, I'm finished my game now. And uh, I have to say, I'm quite proud of what I've been able to achieve in such a short time. <laughs> if you think your children would love to learn how to code, head to the SciDevNet website for links. That's www.sc. I D E V dot net. And you can get in touch with the Africa Science Focus team by emailing podcast at scidev.net. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show was produced by Harrison Lewis with editing by Ogechi Ekeanyao and Fiona Broom. I'm Michael Kaloki. Until next week, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station.